What about that dude that sent us that message raving about the podcast? Yeah, no, dude, that was awesome. Or his post, rather. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Made my day. Yeah, me too. When I woke up at 5 o'clock with a migraine, it literally lifted my spirits. Yeah. I, uh, like I texted you, man, like I woke up at like 1, could not sleep, turn, mm-hmm. on, turn on the TV, and I guess because I'm in a, a Batman mood, watched mm-hmm. um, Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. And, man, that movie is just so good, dude. Man, I love the... I haven't, I haven't seen it in a long time. Didn't understand where you said. Mouth is full of food. <laughs> so we made some homemade Rice Krispie treats. Mm. Those, which, by the way, destroy store-bought. D, not even the same Store-bought food. has like a weird, like, fl- right? Like a weird yeah, flavor. Sucks. Yeah, the real Something ones are going like on. nowhere close. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, what's I mean, cool it could about... Be the, oh. <laughs> Hey folks, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. We are your hosts, Woody Brown and Tyler Benz. What's up, brother? Despite having a migraine this morning, I'm pretty jazzed. I know that you want to dive in because I have a surprise little topic that we want to talk about and a story that I'm just chomping at the bit. Mm-hmm. But I think we should talk about a movie that probably not a lot of people have, have seen. It's kind of an indie flick um, <laughs> and pretty unknown director. Mm-hmm. He's new on the scene. Just fresh on the scene. Fresh, fresh, fresh. And uh, his name's Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very small movie called The Snyder Cut Justice League. Yeah. And I loved it. Man, I mean... Did I just bury the lead, though? You just kind of buried the lead. You just kind of gave away what your thoughts were. But I kind of want to, you know, let's unravel that a little bit. Mm -hmm. First, I want to say this, though. I just read, I think yesterday or the day before, that even still, like, I feel like so many people I know were super pumped to watch it. They streamed it, you know. But it's still currently ranked behind... What? Wonder Woman 1984, dude, in terms oh, of streams on HBO. Gosh. Can you believe that? That's ridiculous. It's nuts to me, man. I mean, I do, I will say, like, you know, having kids and stuff. Uh, I mean, I think if you don't have kids or, like, a family, you have no excuse. But, like, <laughs> having kids, you know, uh, taking in a four-hour movie oh, in, oh. in one big chunk is kind of hard. Yeah, dude. I mean. So I can see how some people are intimidated by that. Sure. But, like, what, okay, first. Are, are we doing? Is this? Is there going to be spoilers here? Uh, might just, as well play play that siren. <laughs> so if you haven't uh, if you haven't seen the Snyder Cut yet, this is the moment where you pause the podcast. Mm-hmm. You go home or to a friend's house or whatever. Yep. You watch it. Go ahead and carve out like you know the four hours, or a week, or a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And knock it out and then come back and join us for this discussion because we don't mm-hmm. want to spoil anything for you. Although, like, I, I will give you this spoiler. It is a completely different movie different than the movie. one that Josh Whedon did. I mean, yeah. just completely. Like, different storyline, just different. Yep. I think first, I do want to talk about, like, why the Snyder Cut, right? Because I think there are still, potentially, some people that just don't understand why they're was the need for the Snyder Cut? Why was there a demand by the fans other than people just didn't like the Whedon version? Right. Like, why wasn't he a part of it from start to finish? Well, I, I think from what I've read, and again, my buddy Danny out there, uh, Dan the cameraman, he has kind of been keeping me up with, with what's going on. Just, again, having kids and stuff, you know, you you, you miss a little bit of stuff. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, for the last couple of years, he's kind of been keeping me abreast of what's happening. And I think I think the the genesis of this whole thing was that uh, Snyder would leak stuff that, you know, once the movie came out, it was like, wait a minute, that wasn't in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I thought Zack Snyder said that, you know, we were going to see Superman in, in the black costume. Mm-hmm. I thought 
this was going to happen. And so I think that's kind of what sort of led to... People kind of demanding it, right? Well, I, I think the demand came from Snyder showing his... You know, he's a little pissed off when... Yeah. Because you can tell by watching this one that, man, I mean, he put a lot of work into this mm-hmm. thing. And, I mean, honestly, I, I can't imagine how furious he he probably was when he finally saw, you know, when the original one came mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Because it's a totally different movie. I mean, right. there's there's so many things, completely different plot. I mean, there's a couple beats that are the same, but like... Mm-hmm. For the most part, I mean, it's literally a different movie. Yeah. So, I mean, he, it's important though, like, to the reason why he didn't complete the project essentially, and the reason why he had to leave it after filming it was because basically, man, it, and it's super sad. But I mean, this is a this is a kind of a good time in the show to talk about the importance of uh, of you know mental health and and getting help when you need it and stuff, and and kind of not knowing when when somebody is going through a tough time and just being supportive. But uh, you know his daughter, I think, committed suicide. And so yeah. uh, dealt with that sort of terrible blow. Yeah, which, man, I, I mean, I cannot God, even no. imagine. Mm-mm. You know, he stepped away from the project, which 100% understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studio, I guess, you know, in an effort to, because, I mean, if you look at all of this footage, you know, they spent a lot of money oh, to film this gosh. movie, to render all of the effects and all that kind of stuff. In a, in a move to kind of like, I guess save it from just never being completed essentially and, and staying mm-hmm. on tar- target. They brought in Josh Whedon at the time. I I want to say like I remember there was like kind of a little bit of mystery surrounding. It. I don't think that it was super public at the time when it all happened. No, people kind of just thought, well, maybe that he got into an argument, something like that. Well, then mm-hmm. the, the Whedon release happens, and we all watch it. And I mean, sure, there were moments that that I thought were kind of cool when that movie came out, just because. You know, at the end of the day, it was the first one. But, mm-hmm. dude, I'm not joking, and I think we've talked about this. Well, no, I know we have. The beginning of the movie, the first oh, five minutes of the, first we- the Whedon thing, where it's like a reshoot with Superman uh. where they CGI out his mustache because he was working on um, Mission Impossible or something like that at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just looks terrible. And it was just like immediately I'm just like, pissed yeah. <laughs> you know i mean it, it literally looked like a free app you would you would get in the app store where you put like your mouth on like somebody else's face it yeah. is so but even so worse than that. i mean dude the deep fake stuff now is just incredible that, no, no no i'm talking about just like a free app that's like garbage still looks better than this oh Actually, for sure it looked like one of our kids who are young and that's the only <laughs> reason why i'm like using them as the example we just mm-hmm. give them a phone and we say hey man can you like make a scene where, like, I don't know, Superman's, like, talking to somebody, and they're right. like, yeah, sure, Dad. And they come back with that, boom, put it on the big screen. That's what mm-hmm. happened. Well, uh, another interesting thing about that, which I don't know if you knew this, but and I'm sure you can still find it on on uh, YouTube, but there's there's a guy out there that, to prove a point that, like, just how bad this this was done, you know, whoever the, you know, effects designers were or whatever that mm-hmm. did this, he literally re-rendered the whole thing on a 286 computer, mm-hmm. <laughs> like an HP 286. Yeah. And it literally looks a hundred times better. Man. Yeah. And they probably spent over a million dollars just on that. Yeah. And just on reshoots alone, mm-hmm. man. And so when you first, the, and we'll kind of dive into things we loved about this new cut, the Snyder mm-hmm. cut, and things that, you know, well, it wasn't the greatest. And because, I mean, at the end of the day, was it perfect? No. Is it better, though? 100%. Yeah. Sorry, Julie. <laughs> yeah. So we get messages, and especially since we posted about it, and kind of the consensus is that um, that it was loved by all minus one. But um, <laughs> No, I mean, I, I've heard a couple people. Say, I mean, mainly it's just because of the just how long it is, but yeah. I think if you really give it a shot and, like, kind of just accept, like, okay, like for me, the the well, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. But one but second, kinda, Be, one second, okay. because like I think time and time again, a creator creates something, especially in movies. I think it happens less in music because there's way more kind of barriers that need to happen before something is released. Mm-hmm. But in movies, this movie isn't 
is the, I think this is the, the movie that like film schools should use to show how editing can create oh, 100% gosh, yeah. different narrative, right? And so like there have been movies that have come out where the director, once he sees the, the edit, is just like, I'm appalled. And one example that comes to mind is the newest Fantastic Four movie. Mm. Apparently, they just completely destroyed it. And I mean, I could not stand that movie. I've yeah, tried to watch it a million times and thought, well, maybe I was just having a bad day or something that day. Yeah. Terrible. Well, and, and it sucked because like it, it had a great cast. Like, mm-hmm. is it you that doesn't like uh, Miles Teller? Uh, no, 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 he's cool. Maybe maybe Johnny doesn't like him. I can't remember. Um, I really like him. I think he's a great actor. You know, I love Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Like the cast is amazing, but. Um, yeah, apparently there was like something happened and like the studio heads, like they physically locked him out of the, uh, the editing booth and it's like, what's happening? I mean, cause you know, he has to like sign off on all this stuff. So, I mean, it's not him that's, you know, personally putting in millions of dollars to produce it. So, I mean, he really, his hands are tied, you know? Yeah. It's tough, man. But apparently that's a totally different movie as well yeah. from what he, you know, originally had planned. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I read too was the original sort of total amount of footage that Snyder gave to the studio mm-hmm. before Whedon started essentially is the same length <laughs> of what we can watch now. I think his cut, like I think you and I kind of talked about this and whenever you mentioned just a minute ago about the length. And that's kind of, I think, one of the major complaints is there's a lot of scenes in this cut that we could definitely do without mm-hmm. that don't really necessarily add to the story. And especially if you're just like, I mean, I highly recommend splitting up watching it, you know, like sitting there throughout the whole thing. I think you're going to get kind of fatigued by just like how slow it seems. But when you break it up and he does a, a thing within it that it's like multiple parts, you know, right. so he'll like have a title screen that says, you Which know, part cool. one, whatever. And so it makes it a little bit easier to kind of break it up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if you do it that way, it doesn't seem as long. It just seems like, oh man, I'm getting like more content. It's almost like a show. Yeah, you know? that that's exactly how I kind of started viewing it even in the sense of like, and and I don't know why, but there is something about like, you know, you can sit there and like, binge like Ozark or mm-hmm. Breaking Bad or like you can binge like five episodes in a row like it's nothing but like there's something about a when like a just a single movie is really long it you know it's almost like a subconscious thing that just feels more like like uh, exhausting is, kind of yeah. this is too long but meanwhile you're watching a show you know for six hours in a row I, I 100% agree you get that fatigue you I just think if you split it up, it's not going to feel as long, even though that's one of the complaints. But I don't know about you, man, but there were a couple scenes that stood out to me like, hey, man, just cut it. Yeah, uh, for sure. Do you have like one, like um, I wrote one down. Uh, I mean, I was really tired, first off. I I had to get like an MRI like the day of and like they gave me like uh, like dye injection and all that stuff. Sort of a long story. But so I was already kind of like tired and not in the greatest sort of mood and like you know i'm sure i would probably view it a little differently but at the time like i would say that probably like the whole first i don't know the first 30 40 minutes just felt so arduous and just long Mm -hmm. but honestly like like from that point on though when like once you get over that sort of first hump i mean i was all in like the Mm -hmm. whole time Mm -hmm. i you know i could i could have went another another hour i mean one of the scenes one of the first scenes that kind of stood out to me that was kind of like what is going on this is just kind of awkward and we just don't need it especially like in retrospect was the scene when bruce wayne is trying to recruit aquaman and Mm -hmm. aquaman's not really like super interested and he goes into the water and the villagers are just kind of like singing Oh God, that was so I was weird. Like, uh, it just made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it was, was like weird. just you know, and going back and watching that scene, for example, because I was like, how long was that? It felt like forever, forty seconds. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> and so it's well, like when and, and the Willem Dafoe part felt sort of pointless and odd to me. Mm. 
Yeah, I guess that stuff kind of like ties in the Aquaman movie. Right. Which, you know, I mean, we can do without. I mean, if I'm, if I'm yeah. being honest. So that was one scene. There was another scene that I felt that same kind of like, uh, what was the point of that? Mm-hmm. And it was when, well, at first, as the audience, you think it's Clark's mom visiting Lois Lane, but it's really, uh, what is it, Manhunter? Martian Manhunter. Yeah, Martian Manhunter. See, I love that. But but that, I mean, I think that was cool, but it didn't really, what was the point, really? Yeah. Well, because he comes, you know, other than just to kind of like kind of introduce the character before the end, mm-hmm. you know, right. so that that kind of stood out and kind of got on my nerves. Well, I, I I thought that scene was was fine. I think Diane Lane is a wonderful actress and a really charming, you know, lady just in general. I'm a little biased because I cannot stand Amy Adams. I think as she's Lois Lane because she's at, good in other stuff, man. I don't know, man. She's the most boring actress. She just gets in my last. Yeah, name. but she was good in uh, that movie, that alien movie that we talked about. Oh, yeah, Arrival. Yeah, I mean, she's still kind of. I don't know. She's just stale. not to me. She's not a good Lois Lane. Oh, she's. I just the don't worst. know who else. You know, I don't know who you have. Especially uh, looking at like Henry Cavill, who's like a like a he's demigod. Like, he's like yeah, he's like a man. Yeah, and then Greek. it's like oh yeah, that's who he's gonna choose. I just, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, no. Kate Mara. And, um, <laughs> or anybody. Yeah. Else. I'm, oh, gosh. I'll tell you about some scenes that I love, though. Well, first, another thing this movie did was really provide way more context mm-hmm. to all of the characters. Characters that after that first movie, the first release, I really just didn't care about because Cyborg. They didn't, yeah, dude, Cyborg and even, yeah. the, even the Flash, man. Yeah. Like, he was still good. There was some silly stuff in that first release, mm-hmm. but it just didn't give what I needed. You know what I'm saying? And like Cyborg in the first movie was basically just like a throwaway character who happens yeah. to like be able to kind of plug into the mother box or whatever. Which kind of sucked because I was actually really, really excited. to. See. I'm always kind of excited to see these characters that haven't been on the screen before mm-hmm. in these kind of movies, you know? So, like, before the movie, I was really excited. And then he just, like, kind of like what you said, it's just sort of like, okay, he's just sort of like another Iron Man without the yeah charisma the of Tony Stark. And and he just felt really cold, which, I mean, he he feels yeah. sort of cold on this one, but it just but you have, all you, gives much more context. Yeah, man, you have a background for why he's like that. Other than, like, he was in an accident, he doesn't want to be a robot, boom. That, I mean, that's what they did right. in the first movie. This one, it's like, they dive deeper into the father-son relationship. There's this really great dynamic there that mm-hmm. is just incredible. And, uh, God, I just thought it was so much better, so much, you know, better done. Another cool right. thing that I loved about what they got into in this movie further than they did, I mean, I don't even think they mentioned it at all, really, was the aspect of like the flash and how he can essentially travel in time and, and mm-hmm. change aspects of time and, and the future and all that whenever mm-hmm. he reaches uh, certain speeds, you know, there's that, there's that line. I think he says something like, Hey, whenever I reach the speed of light, crazy things happen with time or whatever. And we actually yeah. get to see it happen in this movie. Right. Yeah. It, th- he's, so that's one of the cooler things about like the flash as a character, you know, on the comic page mm-hmm. is like he can tap into what he calls the speed force, which is like it's kind of once he gets to like a certain speed, it's like everything starts sort of, you know, it's like is he is he sort of splitting like dimensions? Is mm-hmm. he, you know? So I, I thought that was that was done so well at yeah. the end. And yeah. I gotta say, man, the Eastern European or I don't even know who they were, but like in the Josh Whedon version. The family. Oh, yeah. They're just hiding from the bugs. It was the most random 30 minutes of a movie that was just completely aimless. It it had no bearing on anything. And, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad that was I mean, I feel like the only reason he put that in there was to sort of bring some sort of, like, um, you know, stakes in the game kind of like like for us to try to kind of connect and feel for the, the hero characters and, like, that first release is almost like so forgettable to me. 
that I don't yeah. even remember. Like as I was watching this, I knew it was different, but I mm-hmm. couldn't remember like why. And so that was kind of cool because I didn't, I wasn't watching this thinking like, oh man, this is what happens there instead. You know, I mean, there's some obvious moments like that, but you know, it introduces Barry Allen's like love interest. Um, yeah, which she was not even mm-mm. in the original. Yeah, I think what I read too, the only quote unquote reshoots were the dream sequence at the end that included Jared Leto. Oh, right. Which I thought that was... Although, like, if you go back and watch, I don't, I don't know if, if that's, if he's even really in the suit. What's the, what's the guy's name? The Flash Kid? Oh, yeah. I don't anyway, know the actor's name. like, if you go back and look, I mean, he has, like, stubble on his face and stuff, but it almost looked like CGI to me, mm. so... Yeah. I wonder if he, if he's even, you know, even really in that. Yeah. Because he has that weird, like, helmet. Yeah. Which was kind of cool, too, because the only other time that you saw that was, I think, Batman versus Superman, right? Yeah. And and they never, you never see that again. You just don't know what the heck that was or what was going on. And it connected it all in this this Yeah, and and that was what was great, too, is like Ben Affleck, when he's he's sitting there and, and she, I think Wonder Woman's like, you know, what's on your mind or whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, I had, I had a dream right at this desk, almost like a premonition of flat. And he like. So it's it sort of provides that connective tissue that uh, you didn't get at all yeah. in the uh, in the Whedon version. One thing that I do got to say is, you know, I I I like Joss Whedon. I thought the Avengers when it came out was probably the greatest thing ever captured on film, just because it was so exciting and stuff. But after seeing this movie, it's like I don't know. It just you really could kind of see how just how much stuff he threw away. Just mm-hmm. for the sake of like, oh well, I'm gonna make it my movie now, yeah. Because there's so many things like on this version that are night and day. Like you could, you would, you you would watch and you would say, oh well, that's easily more bad. So I'm gonna hang on to this piece and maybe replace this piece. But it was like, it just felt like he was like, no, I'm. This is my movie now. I'm gonna do what I want to do with it, which yeah. was a terrible, terrible choice. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like you know, no matter what, it's a tough kind of job to have right come in mm-hmm. kind of put your spin on it but it felt a little bit like even and i don't know don't hate me for this but even that first avengers movie there's a little bit of like a, a sheen to it that's like oh yeah it is the guy that did buffy the vampire slayer show, tv show and mm-hmm. angel do, do you know what i'm saying like there's yeah. that like polish to it that like i think it works for the avengers right right but he, exactly. he can't apply that same like formula or f- to like the justice league especially like when everything else has kind of laid the groundwork for it to be a little bit more gritty a little bit more like real well i i to me i think that w- that did work for the avengers because at the time like you know the the rest of the landscape of especially with whatever dc movie had just come out was like so like dark yeah. and like heavy and like sort of this like you know kind of nihilist kind of like dread kind of feeling and so like i i appreciated that it was like no this is a comic book movie like yeah. this is like we're not gonna like make every costume just black mm-hmm. leather and like dark <laughs> it's like no yeah. we're gonna give them the colors that they have in the comics and he did a great job of uh well first off two things one i think i'm i'm 99.9 percent positive i've been calling him josh this whole time <laughs> um but <laughs> and j- so if you didn't know that his name is actually joss like j-o-s-s but mm-hmm. like um i think that he did a great job with avengers in mm-hmm. that like he made it for an audience that was so broad that all ages can enjoy that movie i mean kids went ballistic when that movie came out i mean it's, oh, yeah. it's you know it was just a humongous movie and maybe kudos to him for trying that you know, I feel bad. Like, I don't want to talk trash about him. But in comparison to the Snyder Cut, no, no, uh, no comparison there. Mm-hmm. Dude, can we talk about the weird dream sequence at the end, though, with, like, Jared Leto coming back? Oh, man. You know, there were s- some lines that I was like, oh, I wish they wouldn't, like, what is that? That's kind of a little too weird. Like, I don't know that I'll, like, put this in when he's talking about, like, Oh yeah, that was kind of stupid. Kind of silly and weird, but I don't know. Yeah, I didn't love it. To me that felt like um 
I think you were telling me that that he had talked about sort of like a possibility of like the next movie sort of being uh, in you know in an alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. It's just Joker and Batman, and, I, and maybe the other crew like just walking through the desert, almost like a Mad Max kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I kind of it, it it did kind of feel like like, and I don't know if this is the case. I mean, maybe it was filmed much earlier, but to me, it felt like just from all the information that has sort of come out and stuff mm-hmm. that uh, that Zack Snyder said, it, it, it kind of felt like um, him, you know, realizing I'm probably not going to get a sequel. You know, the studios aren't into this. So if we're releasing this, like, you know, let's reshoot this this last little bit just, just so that people can get a taste of, like, what I had planned for the mm-hmm. next movie. Yeah, I also read that he fought, like, really hard for that to be in there and for it to end the way that it did because Mm. and i thought this was so cool dude he they really want the studio wanted it to be just like buttoned up Mm. and he kind of said well that's not how a comic book that's not how the last page of a comic book is right and so like that kind of like respect for the comic world man from a movie maker is just i thought that was awesome and so Mm -hmm. he kind of just was like no this is kind of what i i have as a vision and I mean, like in that dream sequence, I just thought it was so amazing when Joker kind of mentions like, yeah, you know, the death of your adopted son. And so he's like, you know, talking about Robin and mm-hmm. when Batman is just like, I'm going to effing kill you. Oh, that was amazing. Like, man, so bad in the bone. Yeah. You know, but, and I, didn't he say something about like when I killed Harley or something? Something like that. Yeah. It was like, man, that's. Yeah, it's intense, man. Yeah. But I mean, you got to look at it in the context of like, okay, it's. It's post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. you know. You have a Batman that, that you know carries around guns and stuff. So, I, yeah. I mean, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, me too, man. I liked I liked Deathstroke being in the. Oh uh, yeah, dude. In the crew too, I thought that was cool. Heck yeah! Plus, it's our boy Joe Manganiello. Oh yeah, I did th- it. The the, uh, the one dialogue between Mara felt weird. It was like that felt really forced when she was like, well, "What have you ever lost?" It's like you do realize, like, the impetus of, like, why he's Batman. Mm-hmm. It's because he lost his parents. Like, Yeah, yeah. Like, really? Oh, one of the other things that I read is, so they've been kind of interviewing Snyder and kind of picking his brain to see, like, what else he had planned. Like, if in a perfect world, if he was given the sequels and, and this would have been just, like, kind of the version, maybe not necessarily the cut, but the version of what came out initially. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of, like told a bunch of different things. Like one of them, which I wasn't super down about, was like a storyline where Batman and Lois Lane kind of got romantically involved while Superman was dead. But here's here's one of the ideas that he had that I thought was just amazing. So one of the things that happens towards the end of this movie is you see Lois Lane uh, like wake up, she's in bed. I think that's when she like makes the decision like I'm going to work today. Mm-hmm. And she opens a drawer by the bedside table and you see a pregnancy test in there. Mm-hmm. Right. By the way, Snyder snuck that in there because apparently like they hadn't agreed upon this other idea that he had that I'm kind of explaining now. But his idea was in the future, one of the sequels would have Batman die. He would essentially kind of sacrifice himself for the team or whatever. Batman mm-hmm. dies and Lewis and Clark actually have a have a son who they name Bruce who grows up to become he basically takes on becoming Batman and I mean, in one amazing. scene that he describes dude he's like I had this vision of this scene where Lewis and Clark are taking you know Bruce Kent uh down I think into it's the, pronounced Lewis <laughs> I, know, I just thought of that same thing I was like man, is there just like this natural reasoning behind like <laughs> it's so subconscious that I keep on saying Lois and Clark? Every time um, you say it, I'm just like... Yeah, but wasn't there Lewis like a show, Lois and Clark? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which was actually really good back in the day. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they take him down, they take Bruce Kent down to the Batcave and mm-hmm. while they're there and he's just like seeing it, they're like, man, you're, you know, your Uncle Bruce would be so proud and man, God, that would be so cool, dude. So if he picked up the mantle of Batman, would he have like superman powers no he that that, i'm glad that you asked that 
Snyder specifically said in this explanation that he, he actually does not have powers. He has more mm. of like the, the Lois Lane uh, genetics in, in that regard. So he's really just boring. Come on, man. Batman's – that's part of the reason why talking as about a Lois kid Lane. I loved Batman. No, I'm talking about Lois Lane. Well, just imagine like a different like – anyway, jeans. at the end of the day, did I like it? Did I not like it? What did I think? Since you already told everyone what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, man, I loved it. You know, it felt like even though I didn't know I wanted or needed it necessarily, mm-hmm. I am so glad that it was released. I feel like um, Snyder should definitely be proud. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. I said before, was it perfect? Not even close. There's some things that I would do differently and edit it, you know, cut some stuff out that doesn't really like add to the story. But that being said, it's like it really did leave me wanting more. Like I wish it was. 10 hours long. Oh, me too, man. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Let me say this. It, like, if I would have only seen this movie, it probably would have been fine. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, knowing how the original was, like, in the intro, it's a little faster, a little more, like, you know, tr- the fats trimmed. It just felt really long, that intro. But, I mean, once you get out of that, I mean, man, I, I thought it was just yeah. leaps and bounds better. I will say, and you and I have talked about this, the, I think it was Leonard Cohen. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. The music, if, if there was a music supervisor involved, I, I just wish they would have made different choices, man. Yeah, man, taking out like the uh, the Seven Nation Army White, White Stripe, Stripe song, song yeah. for the the, uh, the walkout for Aquaman. Yeah. I mean, that was so much more bad. And the yeah. fact that they like replaced it. And I get what he was going for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a longer scene. It's a little more... Uh, a little more artsy, you know, he's like walking out and he smashes the... But make it like a Rolling Stones. Oh, there's just like exactly. so many different things you could have done to get that same emotion. But exactly. like a, a, you know, and I'm not saying anything bad about Leonard Cohen. I, I just... Uh, no, no, no. He, I mean, he's fine. It's just like knowing how that scene looked at, with the White Stripe song was just yeah. so much better, Yeah, I thought. Agreed. One of the things that I kind of read was kind of surrounded like around just the multiple timelines and I think they're just trying to, you know, it's kind of like the way the Avengers were kind of trying to figure out a way to beat Thanos. Right. And there was really Mm -hmm. like only the one way out of all those possibilities in this kind of version. Similarly, you know, they face this being from, you know, space essentially who is coming to get the, um, the, what is it called? Anti-life equation. Mm -hmm. Like the anti-life equation is, I'm sure it's like a Jack Kirby fourth world, thing but i don't totally understand what it is man that that's one thing that i gotta say is so much better in this version too is like uh stefan wolf just he actually feels like a real villain he doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you know always this like cgi big bad guy he, he you kind of got to see like motivation and and uh and you get to see dark side a lot which was pretty oh, amazing man, way cool and like seeing the scenes where you see like all the gods like all the like the greek gods you see oh uh, yeah that battle sequence a when little little bit of the green lantern core you see like like that was really really that cool. was awesome i forgot about that that was amazing yeah yeah it's when like all of those people are fighting against this from happening in the, you know in the first place long mm-hmm. long ago yeah that yeah. was really really cool well you got anything else I mean, no, man. I think. Uh, oh, real quick before we do move on, I had a chance to finish uh, the Winter uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier last night. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, just the first episode. Yeah, yeah, dude. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I thought it was awesome too. I mean that that first scene where he's like doing all the aerial stuff and like the, the guys oh, in like wingsuits. Yeah. Like I literally looked at my wife and I was like, I cannot believe that we live in a time where. Number one, this is a weekly show with yeah, a budget dude. is that high. And number two, this is on a show, not like a massive big budget like movie that you have to yeah. wait every five years to see. Dude, that's so funny that you said that because my wife and I had the same exact conversation. Wouldn't you agree that these shows, again, this is another example of giving more context to the characters. Look, I loved Falcon. Mm-hmm. He's a cool character. He's cool in the comics and stuff. But... Throughout the movies, to me, they didn't give enough 
and so to me, it's like a smart move because now like, I'm like, oh man, I like this character way more. Even though I liked him before, it's like way cooler. You get to see him do way cooler oh, stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that they're doing these shows, man, at this budget is just incredible because it just feels like an extension of the movie, man. Right. It doesn't look exactly. like a TV show, you know? Yeah, and, and to me, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's probably tied now, but for a long time, for me, the Winter Soldier the sequel to Captain America, you know, the first Avenger, that was my favorite Marvel movie just because it was like straight up like 70s spy thriller, kind of like the, uh, what is it, the Falcon and the Snowman and uh, like those sort of movies that, you know, and even having like Robert Redford in there was like such a great little little nod to that. But that was amazing. And so this movie just felt like, it, you know, like you said, it felt like a continuation of of that, you know, that kind of style too. Uh, mm. Well, I'm glad we finally got to talk about the Snyder Cut Justice League. Two rad thumbs up from the podcast from both of us. And uh, when we get back from the break, I have a story that Woody has no idea mm. about any of it, and mm. I won't. I haven't given him any sort of clue or hint. Yeah, um, but annoyed. it revolves around something really interesting and weird. But it also, you know, it kind of continues this sort of synchronicity that we've been having with, you know, talking about multiverses and time travel and, and you know, that kind of thing, you know, interdimensional sort of concept. So, cool. uh, yeah, when we get back, we'll, uh, we'll jump right awesome. in. Awesome. After these messages, <laughs> we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. You're listening to That Would Be Rad. The following is an actual account of my experiences as of recently. Because of the nature of what has happened, I must remain anonymous until I feel it is safe to reveal my real name. But for now, you can refer to me as James Richards. Richards. On September 9th, 2009, I experienced something that I am still having trouble believing happened to me. I came into the possession of a cassette tape containing an album that was never released. In fact, not only was it never released, but it was recorded many years after the band broke up. Now this is where the story becomes slightly more unbelievable. It is almost embarrassing to attempt to explain the incident to you for fear of viewing me as completely absurd. I must assure you, I'm not insane or on on drugs. And hopefully the audio from this tape will be enough proof that there is more than we think out there. I live in Livermore, California, but on September 9th, I was driving home from Turlock after visiting a friend for a few days. I had my dog with me, and I didn't have any plans for the day, so I decided to take a drive through a place called Del Puerto Canyon, just west of Turlock. There is a scenic road that is a fun drive and actually goes through Livermore. 
I hadn't taken a cruise through it for a while, so I thought I would take this way home. It was about 2 p.m. A ways into the canyon, my dog started acting like she needed to use the restroom. So I pulled over to the first available parking area to the side of the road and let her out while I stretched. At first, I didn't notice, but then I heard the barking from 30 yards away. My dog was chasing a rabbit. Now, my dog is a pretty good dog, but if she is chasing something, then there is no stopping her. So the only thing I could do was become part of the chase. They already had about a 40-yard head start, so I had to really book it. The uneven ground and soft dirt patches made it difficult to run, and it wasn't very far into the chase that I had stepped into a rabbit hole, fell, and knocked myself unconscious. When I woke up, I was in a room with some furniture and electronics in it. I was taken care of with a bandage on my head, but I still felt uneasy about the situation because where I fell and hit my head was in a very rural, unpopulated area with no houses. And outside the window of the room I was in, I could hear traffic. I wasn't near the window in the room. It was actually on the other side next to an unusual-looking electronic machine that I didn't recognize from anywhere I've seen before. The only reason this stood out was because it seemed out of place in a person's home, which most of the room resembled. I decided to get up and look out of the window, but the door opened and in ran my dog, who was pretty excited to see me. When I looked up, there was a man standing at the door. He was about six foot tall, had medium long black hair, and was dressed casually nice, but gave me a greasy sort of vibe, if you know what I mean. He introduced himself. Racist. <laughs> he introduced himself as Jonas and asked me if I was okay, which I said yes. He said he found me unconscious in a field with my dog barking at me. So I thanked him for helping me and my dog out, and then I was surprised my dog even came back to me. I then asked him the question that would make me start wondering if in fact I had gone crazy. I asked him, Where am I? Where am I? About 20 feet away. He replied. I told him that couldn't be possible because there were no houses within at least 20 miles from where I last remember being. He then told me that what I'm going to say next is very shocking and unbelievable. And if I hadn't experienced myself, I wouldn't believe it. He took a look at the machine near the window and looked back at me and said he I transported you to parallel earth. I traveled to your earth dimension and found you there, knocked out in the blazing sun with no one to help you. Normally, I don't take outsiders through a portal, but in your case, I thought you needed urgent help. I immediately started asking questions about traveling to parallel worlds, since all I knew about the topic was YouTube videos of Michio Kaku. He told me to slow down and that he would explain himself. Apparently, in his world, a parallel travel machine can be purchased quite easily. While not cheap, it's pretty popular even though the machine can be dangerous enough to cause death. In the 50s of his dimension, the government was faced with a decision to continue to fund a space program, I'm guessing NASA, or a parallel dimension program called ARP-D. I can't remember what he said it stood for. I'm pretty sure the P and D is parallel dimensions. And I remember the acronym because I noticed it on the electronics in the room I was in. He then explained... The real danger of using this machine is exploring new dimensions. There are an infinite amount of Earths, and only a small amount have been explored. The problem with exploring unknown dimensions is the chance that you will die somehow once you walk through the portal doorway. People die from falling if the ground isn't close enough to where the portal opens die from drowning. There are worlds covered in water. It's hard to open a portal underwater. Die from fire, from atmospheric issues. And to avoid this, you would have to know that there would be similar ground in the dimension you were traveling to. So this government began to research worlds that were safe to transport to, even creating public spots where people could choose a menu of worlds to go to that were all safe. Many of these worlds were lush vegetation worlds that were never ruined by man, only to be invaded by the large, overcrowded population of the traveler's world. He said something about new industries that opened up because of this, one of them being something like dimensional life brokers. 
these people offered the chance to live as somehow new in an already established similar world that doesn't know of dimensional travel, nor that there are people crossing the dimensional border to. Jonah says he was an explorer for one of the dimensional travel agencies and was looking in new uncharted dimensions and came to my earth. We talked about a lot of things. It was interesting to see what similarities and differences between worlds, food, culture, TV, technology, we covered a lot. We also started talking about music, which was an interesting topic because there were so many of the same bands between our worlds that existed, including the Beatles. When their name got brought up, Jonas mentioned that his brother just got back from seeing them perform at a concert recently, which I gave a weird look to and said, you mean they're still together? together?" together? And he said, yeah. I then told him about how they broke up in our world and that George and John passed away. Apparently in this world, they're all alive, healthy, and on tour still. Jonas then had me follow him to another room that had a bookshelf-looking thing with some cassette tapes. Yes, the music ones. Apparently CDs never caught on in this world. And a tape player, radio record player. Though it didn't quite look like the type of radios we have, the speakers looked more like crinkled cardboard, but sounded actually pretty good. The only Beatles album he had that was store-bought and had real cover art with Sgt. Pepper's which the cover looked slightly different than the one we have, but the songs were all the same. The other six Beatles tapes he had were all like somebody recorded them onto a blank cassette for him and wrote the song titles on a card slipped in the case. A couple of the album titles written on the tapes I recognized, but there were about four that I had never heard of before. He played a few songs from one of them, which was totally surreal to hear Beatles music that was never made, at least in our world. He said a girl made the tapes for him while he was in upper school, what they call high school. She was a huge fan of them and wanted him to listen. He popped out the first tape and was putting in the second one when I told him he should record a copy so I could take it back with me, thinking it wouldn't be a big deal. Well, the look Jonas gave me when I said this is part of the reason I am remaining anonymous. Not only did it sort of scare me, but it had a very serious, almost creepy look to it. Followed by the phrase, not word for word, I can't remember what he said exactly, but no, no, you are not going to take anything with you back to your world. No pictures, no souvenirs, no tapes, nothing, nothing, nothing. I asked him why, and he wouldn't really say except that for my safety, I wasn't to take anything back. Of course, I am not the type of person to go through all of this parallel world stuff and not grab something to prove the outrageous story of my experience. So for the moment, I told him I wouldn't take anything and change the subject. About an hour later, after some more talking, I heard a doorbell ring and he left the room to check the door. I knew that I may not have another chance to take something, so I grabbed one of the tapes and I put it in my pocket and then shuffled the tapes around to make it look less obvious that something was missing. When he came back inside, I said I was kind of hungry to just get us out of the room. So he then took me to the other room and fed me. For the most part, the food tasted like ours, but was different product names and colors. The purple ketchup was the strangest. We talked a little bit more, and then I expressed the notion that I should be going because it was getting late. The time of day was identical to ours, as is all worlds. We went back to the room with the machines in it. I grabbed my dog and shook Jonas's hand for taking care of me after I was knocked out. I thanked him again and stepped through the portal, which felt like getting wet but staying dry the entire time. When I put my dog on the ground, she even shook herself like she thought she was wet. Back in our world, I could see my car on the road still, and there was a straight line burn mark on the ground from where the portal had shown up. It was dark outside, and the only reason I noticed the burn was because it was still smoking from the heat. I walked back to my car and drove home. The worst part was I couldn't even listen to the tape on the way home because I didn't have a tape player in my car. I actually wasn't even able to listen to it at home either for the same reason, and I had to go to Walmart to buy a tape player just to listen to it. Unfortunately, I don't have any information about the tape other than what is written on the card sleeve. The track names were written, as well as the album title, Everyday Chemistry. Everything else is about as mysterious to you as it is to me. I'll post some more about my experiences in the coming days But I have to go to work right now, and this post is already long enough. If anyone has any questions they want to ask me about this incident, then I've set up an email address that you can contact me at thebeatlesneverbrokeup at yahoo.com. I'll try and answer everyone's questions as best as possible. Lastly, if there is anyone out there that has experienced anything like this, then please contact me. 
Some of the things this guy said to me almost make me wonder if this isn't the first time dimensional travelers have been here. James Richards. Richards. Man. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Dude, holy crap. Yeah, dude. And what's crazy is... Uh, I thought well, you were going to be like Rivers Cuomo. My name is Jonas. <laughs> no, it, honestly, though, okay, so after listening, I listened to the whole thing, and I think I don't know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you, no, no, Okay, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've right. got too many yeah. questions here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, first off, when did this happen? Like, how long ago? When did this guy start posting about this? Where is it posted? Okay, so apparently, I think this popped up on some forum or something and then and then it directed you to uh, just the website which is the beatles never broke up.com wow there's a website yeah and you can go and you wait. can download the entire album or you can what what, what listen, do you mean like you can listen to the whole thing to the music the whole album and it's like beatles yeah what <laughs> yeah dude what's crazy though is I mean, does it sound like him though? Like this is here's no, no, the no. Thing. It's it's one hundred percent the Beatles. <sighs> but listen, this this is where this is what's so hard. I mean, it's so fun. For, and like listener, you, I, I've mentioned this before, but Tyler's basically the worst at keeping like terrible. Like even like if he watches a movie first, or if he reads a book first, or whatever it is, what he's finding to, out about he, the ending. Yeah, exactly. He'll just like spill the beans. I cannot believe you kept this from me so well, oh. and. That I'd never heard of it, man. This is insane. I'm a huge Beatles fan. I've never heard of this. So right. I need to know, like, what, like, well, I, I, this I was, was posted on the internet when? Like a year ago, two years, No, 10, no, no, this, 15, this was 20? back in, on September 9th, 2009. 2009. Oh, wait, wait. No, no, no. That's, that's when this event happened. But I think it, it was like a day or two later, basically. Oh, gosh, man. Yeah, and, and so, you know, there, there's a good bit of a discussion about it. I mean, I've, I've seen a few YouTube videos and all where, you know, mainly, obviously, people, like, claiming to, like, debunk it and this and that. Mm-hmm. But, like, what's interesting is if you go to the, a lot of those videos and you read, like, the comment sections. And, you know, to me, and, you know, I, I don't want to, like, give up the ghost straight off. But, like, to me, I think that it is a, it, to me, it sounds like stuff spliced together, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's so um, hard for me to comment on it because I haven't heard it. But dude, you know, the second we're done recording, oh, it's that's amazing. Where I'm going to, and I got to listen to it. So it yeah. sounds, it doesn't. What I was going to say is like, does it sound like any kind of like lost tapes that maybe weren't ever released? Somehow this guy gets his hands on them. Well, what I think happened, and a lot of people kind of have this same uh, sort of belief, is that it's stuff taken from all of their solo careers. So, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know, some obscure line from a George Harrison album is taken from here, an obscure line from a John Lennon record, a bass line from a Wings album, and it was all kind of put together. It doesn't sound like anything was spliced. I mean, it sounds legitimate, like... A real song. A real song, yeah. I mean, what? Like harmonies and everything. It's pretty incredible. I mean, oh, the man, music dude. is actually really good. Like, it's not, it's not like just some, you know, kind of crappy novelty kind of thing but that to me the the most fascinating part about this whole thing is okay say all that is total bs he didn't do that it's still bizarre to me that there's never nobody has ever come out to admit making this thing and it's i mean it's it's incredible i mean it's an amazing even even if it is just like a mashup Mm -hmm. of stuff this would have taken somebody years to do man this is but, but like, th- this is one of the things that you'll hear. So if that is the case, if, you know. You're if, saying if somebody, like, this is the bad-to-the-bone audio engineer went amazing. in, got some. Because, I mean, like, uh, you know, there are some, like, really cool, you, you use the word mashup. Heck, I don't, I don't even know if, you know, kids these days knows what, know what those are. But, like, Probably. there are some. Like, there's the, one of my favorites is the Jay-Z and Bittersweet Symphony. Oh yeah, mashup. You know mm-hmm. stuff like that where it sounds so seamless that it seems like what those songs. Ba- what was the band that would do it? The, or it was like uh, a, I think it was one guy. Yeah. Oh, um, a girl talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like a like Michael Jackson vocal over like an ACDC. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like 
Avril Lavigne song comes in, and even if you don't like Avril Lavigne, which I don't, it just seems so bad to the bone because it's yeah. on top of some like hip hop thing. It's just so right. cool, dude. Yeah, it was, I mean, pretty amazing. And I mean, 2009 would have been yeah. around that prob- time when it's like possible. When, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the so a lot of the people are just immediately going to that. They're saying, oh, well, it's this and that. And I kind of did jump around, like I would Google certain lyrics, like a line of music. And, you know, I would listen to like the song that it would sort of take you to and it would kind of sound different. Like it was, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. And mm-hmm. so the theory is, is like, okay, like I'm a little dubious of if all this happened, but mm-hmm. I, I'm also a true believer and I, I love the idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. And yeah. so, you know, if this is real, you know, then, then, the the thing that's going to sort of dispel all of like the the critics and the people that are like oh no it's it's like totally fake and it's a mashup and all the people that are you know the doubters basically uh, the theory is that you can't just say oh well this was a line that that was taken from like a John Lennon album like because you're thinking like okay well if the Beatles would have stayed together everybody's still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that kind of, maybe that would have still been a natural progression in their songwriting, mm-hmm. which would have they would still be in the Beatles. So that that line in a song or that little guitar lick or like would would make it into a Beatles song. Yeah, instead of a solo. Instead of a solo album, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I gotta say, I did it several times. And uh, I mean, how many tracks are on the uh... eleven? Man, yeah. Uh, for, so I'll give you the track listings. There's four guys. Talking to myself, anybody else, sick to death, gin, I'm just sitting here, soldier boy, over the ocean, days like these, Saturday night, and Mr. Gator's Swamp Jamboree. Wow. Which straight up sounds like a sounds like like a Rocky Raccoon type. Mm-hmm. You know, that era Beatles. Yeah. But this story, I heard, I remember hearing about this forever ago, like I mean, maybe ten years ago. And there was, no, you know, I couldn't find anything else on it. I think I heard about it, like, on a podcast or something, you know, at the very beginning of podcasting. And, um, you know, when I went to look it up, there was nothing there. And so it just kind of popped in my head recently, and I was like, oh, my God, this, this was so cool. And, yeah, it's, I mean, you, you can you can find, like, the, you can listen to the whole record on uh, on YouTube now, and, you know, you even Google it. And that's why I didn't want to tell you because I was because when you were like, okay, just give me a hint. Yeah. I thought like, okay, well, I'll just say everyday chemistry, but I knew you would Google it, and you know, of course, it's Google, so yeah. it's gonna. Then, it, I mean, it's just insane that I've never heard of this, and it's so intriguing, and I can't wait to. Uh, I can't to believe that you've never heard. Of yeah, this. and so this guy, this this guy, still remains anonymous. Yeah, and so that that's the other thing that's have we tried have you tried to email him no i haven't emailed him and i was going to talk to you uh and talk to oh, you about we're, maybe we're, even bringing the dude on the podcast i mean dude we're absolutely emailing him from our podcast account yeah. and we'll see what happens there and we'll yeah. keep everybody posted on that but mm-hmm. yes 100 percent. one thing that uh you kind of find once you sort of start digging you, you know you, you hear people talking about it like over on reddit and and uh forums and stuff and that's the thing i mean you know, you we still we still don't have anybody coming out and saying, "Hey, I did this amazing piece of work." Say mm-hmm. it is all spliced together. Say it's all like, but studio. you know, dude, I, I will say though, like if we decided to do something like that, I think both of us would prefer the legend to live versus like us just being like, "Hey, yeah, we did it, man." You know, like the myst- the the mystery and the mystery. Like yeah, the mystique that surrounds it I mean, is far maybe, more entertaining. Though. I mean, this is this is something that I mean. Once you listen to it, if I you're thinking, wait. okay, this is like just a mashup. I mean, dude, this would have taken like years, legitimately. Hmm. And so, I don't know. I mean, there is like such a legend, so you would think like, and it's kind of a cult kind of thing, you know, it's sort of like an underground thing. But if you know about it, you know, everybody that talks about it, it's like, oh no, it's. I mean, it's. It's still amazing. I just can't, dude. That I'm not saying that the Mandela effect surprise wasn't a good one because mm-hmm. you know it was great. Oh, and another but this tops it all. This this kills it, man. I mean, like, yeah, more Beatles stuff exists potentially, right? From an 
alternate universe? Mm-hmm. This is just nuts, dude. Yeah. What's funny too is, uh, you know, you go to the website and like at the top corner, it says the Beatles never broke up, dot, dot, dot. And it's literally an hour Cooper Black font. And then the little, there's a little tape beside it, which is literally almost exactly to our tape design. Oh, wow. Yeah, which Man. is pretty wild. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I just, I knew that we had to talk about it. I mean, I can't say it enough. I mean, that is, that is so intriguing. I mean, literally, I'm, I am 100% going to yeah. go listen to this record immediately mm-hmm. and, tell you what I think about it. I mean, like part of me thinks that like I'm going to press play and it's going to be like the most fake thing I've ever heard. But no. the one part, because I know you would tell me that, oh man, I'm just so excited, dude. So well done, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you found that. That's so freaking cool, man. Yeah. I, I can't believe that, that I had just taught, you know, I'd forgotten about it for mm-hmm. again, probably 10 years or something. And then I didn't, you know, I didn't, I kind of kept it from you and I didn't want to bring it up because Man, in the event, like I, I assumed that as soon as I said "Everyday Chemistry," you being such a massive Beatles fan, yeah, no, dude. How I mean, like I'm literally staring at first pressing releases of their first two albums mm-hmm. that's on my wall, and I've never heard of this. Hey, yeah, that's what happens whenever you have kids, folks. I mean, you said it at the <laughs> top of the show. Exactly. Um, I can't wait to hear. Like, listener, please let us know if you dive in and you and you jump in, you start listening to these songs. What is your take on it? Does it sound like some just really good audio engineer, you know, made these songs? If so, that's also brilliant. Um, yeah. Let us know what your thoughts are there because I'm I'm curious to to know and kind of go through this together. Mm-hmm. And, and I couldn't resist because it was, uh, you know, again, it's really it's right in that line of synchronicity. I was telling Woody the other day that like it's funny because. You know, whenever we get into these topics, whenever, you know, whether we're talking about the Mandela effect or, well, I mean, that kind of falls into the same thing. But, like, mm-hmm. there's always this synchronicity, which, you know, anytime I've uh, dealt with sort of synchronicities as an adult, you know, it, to me, it always feels like we're, wherever we're going, we're in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels well, like I mean, a little... Dude. Even 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 the Snyder Cut, man, with with the multi dimension stuff and the multiverse yeah. stuff that Flash can do, it all like kind of intertwines with everything yeah. uh, that we've been talking about. Yeah, and, well, and also even if you just look at the Snyder Cut as a whole, I mean, I mean, I would imagine there's another dimension, another reality out there where maybe the fans didn't push back mm. and create the hashtag. Or maybe that's they, the one that came out first. Or yeah, mm-hmm. or maybe you know he didn't go through the tragedy and yeah. That was the only one that, that they got. It's pretty amazing. Thank you for finding that. I mm-hmm. hope you guys enjoyed our uh, our review of the Snyder Cut. And, of course, this intriguing story. I mean, speaking of just, like, leaving us wanting to just, like, dive in more, like, I just can't wait to dive into that mm-hmm. mystery even more. But thank you, listener, for, you know, coming back every single week, for interacting with us on our Instagram. Every time we have any kind of message or comment, it just it just means the world to us. We say it every single week. Like, yeah, it's it's still. I don't think there's ever going to be a point when, like, essentially someone that was a stranger who's now part of what we call the family. You know, I don't think there's going to be a point in our podcasting uh, future that it just doesn't amaze us when yeah. we are able to connect with new people that that I'm- like the same stuff. You know. Yeah, I mean, literally, just just this day we were just talking, or just today yeah, we were just day. talking about. Uh, did I say just this day? Uh, just today, a dude named Dustin Downey, who his Instagram name is Foosh underscore Just Thunder. Uh, he did a post talking about how great the show was, and and it totally made our day. Yeah, it's the best. So you know, it's it's because of people like you that uh, that we keep going. Mm-hmm. So wherever you are, in your car, at work, playing hooky, mm-hmm. mowing the lawn, or uh, planting flowers, mm-hmm. you know, give yourself a pat on the back. You guys uh, make our world go round. Quick question for you, Tyler. Mm-hmm. Where can people find us? Hey, man, the bulk of our social media content is going to be over on Instagram. Uh, you can find us at That Would Be Rad. You know, you can comment. We love, we have like a great little community over there who anytime 
we have an episode or post about a topic or whatever, we love like the interaction with you guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, keep them coming. If you want to send us more private messages, uh, shoot us Ooh. a DM. I mean, maybe not like that <laughs> private because we're married. <laughs> but, uh, and if it's more like long form, like a story, say, uh, any of you guys have ever had any sort of paranormal encounters, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. seen anything weird, traveled to another dimension, whatever. Uh, yeah. Shoot it over to us at thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for coming back week to week. You know, like Woody said, without you, we couldn't do it. So uh, we appreciate you. We love you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it Wow.